We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way, and I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 1,230 days into 14 days to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you today? Healthy and alive. Uh, doing better than I was yesterday. A um, little bit of sinus issue yesterday. So if I sound a little off from last time I was on, uh, that's why. I understand what you mean. I went into a different kind of a, uh, a sauna today and it was very dry. So it was one of those where it was uh, like the infrared, you know, where it gets like deep into your joints and your muscles and stuff. And so there's no humidity in there. And so there's, yeah, it was, it was very dry. So I'm, I'm doing my best to like hydrate and, and everything here. So if I, if I seem a little off of my voice, that's why too. So I understand how you feel. I guess I'm, I'm feeling it in the opposite direction, if that makes any sense. So we've got one extreme to the other. Yeah. It's been a, uh, a solid week since you've been on. A lot of stuff has happened in the last week. So what would you like to start off with? I've got, I got some stuff from, uh, uh, I got some stuff from Russia. Yeah. Who, who would have thought, right? Yeah. They're awful yeah. busy these days. Got some stuff from Russia. We can talk about the, uh, the Hunter Biden thing. Uh, LeBron James's son. Uh, that's a big thing. Uh, let me see. The uh, the chef at the White House for the Obamas. We've got, did I say Hunter Biden? Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah. Scotland chopped down 16 million trees to put wind farms up, you know, because it's for the earth. Mm. Uh, Greta Thunberg has been sentenced. I think she got 30 days or, or something like that, or she's got some fines or something. I, I'm not sure, but I've got audio of her. So, I mean, there's all kinds of different directions we can go here. So uh, what would you like to do? Or do you have something entirely different? Uh, I mean, I don't really have anything that's um, of interest necessarily. All the stuff uh, in the news is more or less nonsensical. It uh, doesn't really matter uh, at the end of the day. Uh, but that said, uh, I actually like the going into Russia and then Hunter Biden because those two kind of yeah, they mesh kind of together. Work. They're kind yeah, of, yeah. They work together. Yeah, they work okay. together. Well, yeah. I suppose we can start with this. This was a form of escalation that took place over the weekend. And Putin came out on Russian state TV. Our media still, I don't think to this day, has covered this. 
I don't think they've touched it. Even if it's just rhetoric, which I believe that it is, given what he said, and I have verified what he said is accurate, the subtitles that are actually up there are indeed what he's saying. And this was his statement over the weekend. He says, And thanks to the Soviet Union, thanks to the position of Stalin, Poland received significant amounts of land in the West. It's just like that. The Western territories of today's Poland are a gift from Stalin to the Poles. Our friends in Warsaw have forgotten about that, but we'll remind them. This all makes sense now that you attach what what's-her-name Zakharova was saying on Al Jazeera, again, that our media didn't cover last week, when she said, you know what, I'm just going to turn it back around on you. Let's just say that it's going to be Poland that's going to invade Western Ukraine. Now you've got a You've got a partnership between the Polish army and the German army that have run themselves right up to the Polish-Belarusian-Ukrainian border, right? So they're right up there. And I believe, again, I'm just guessing here based on the rhetoric we're seeing, at least in the forefront, but again, you never know with the Russians. You don't really know what you're going to get. You kind of have to do your best to try and decipher it because they're always playing a deception game. I believe they're trying to get the Polish to cross the border. I think that's what they're trying to get them to do. Again, I, I said weeks ago, I said they're looking for a way out in Ukraine. Uh, or a way to to drag somebody else into it so they can start to take some of the blame off of themselves. So I believe this is a way for them to do it. And now you've got antagonistic acts that are taking place on the Polish border today with Belarus. You've got people that are, you can't see them. It's interesting. I saw some of the videos today from the Polish border, from the Polish side of the border. You've got people that are back under cover of, you know, under concealment of the um, the forest and everything, hurling chunks of concrete and rocks and bricks and bottles and everything else across the border. And they're just, it's almost like they're just goading them, you know, come on over, come on over. And as soon as they cross the border, it's game on. That's my guess. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think I, I agree with that analysis. I, I think uh, Russia is trying to pull in someone else into this, or they're using this as a uh, bargaining uh, kind of a thing that, that's also possible. They may be trying to pull them into war or into fighting. And then knowing that we want peace in the West, uh, they may try to exploit that and um, basically retain Crimea, possibly other parts of Ukraine as well. So it looks like it's a win for them or something. I I really don't know what their their intention is here unless it's just for show and just to make themselves look like they're strong in this because there's not really there's not really a win. Uh, they, they go in and do that and pull the West into uh, battle. They're going to get stomped on unless they intend to pull out the nuclear weapons and start using it on military targets. And in which case they're going to get completely annihilated. So, no, I think that's too much of an escalation, to be fair, in too short amount of time. They need they need a wider area conflict, I think. And and that's not going to do it for them. That's just that's keeping it in region. So they need it. They need it wider spread than that. But if they can pull in NATO countries, then that would then make them look justified into all the rhetoric they've been spewing about how all NATO is the aggressor, NATO is the aggressor. Well, if you read their doctrine, we're always the aggressor. There's no exception to that. None. It doesn't matter what we do. If we just sit there and say, you know, we don't like what you're doing, that's aggression. If we make any moves or if we ask for anything at all, that's aggression, according to the socialist camp, as they call themselves. 
That's what they call themselves. They never refer to themselves as the communist bloc. It's always the socialist camp. So they need to make it look like, and they've done a pretty good job with the disinformation and deception campaigns. They need to make it look like it's really the West that's causing this problem. There's there's an element that I actually agree with them to some degree, uh, because the West has been more or less punching them in the face repeatedly at their doorstep with, with an example, uh, Ukraine, offering Ukraine to be part of NATO now, or at least allowing That's talks of it. That's rhetoric. I, I think it's rhetoric as well. But wh- why? Why are you doing that rhetoric? There's no there's no reason to do that. There's no benefit. It, it only stirs up more trouble. It doesn't serve any diplomatic purpose, in my opinion. It, we keep getting nations that are right up against Russia, you know, bordering them like, hey, you want to be part of NATO or we're going to have talks about it or, you know, what, what go through the preliminary process to accept them as it. It was kind of an agreement beforehand that there would be a buffer zone between. And, you know, I, I know Russia's um, their intentions are malicious. I, I, I understand that in the long run. However, from our side of things, to a degree, we still have to retain our word, uh, you know, so. Ukraine being a buffer zone. Yeah, okay. I'm fine with that. To that, I don't think that Russia should be there. And the fact that we're there fighting them off, I guess that's um I guess that's fair play because it's supposed to be a buffer zone between well, both directions. So in mm. yeah, that this also goes back and we conveniently forget this part. It, this also goes back to the Clinton era. We at the time made the deal with the Russians. This was part of that deal I was telling you about in prep, but this was something completely different. The Ukrainians were to give up their nuclear weapons, and if it ever came to blows in that country, then our agreement, our side of the agreement was we were to offer them protection. That was it. That's why we're in there. So in a sense, we are holding up to our end of the bargain. Yeah. Um, though now at here's, the same time... There's we, another we, side to this. Yeah, there, yeah, there's yeah. another. there's another historical side to this that a lot of people aren't considering. Now... This whole concept that's being thrown in our faces, you know, this Ukraine flag everywhere and the U.S. administration, the Biden administration is for Ukraine and the Germans and the French and the the, the British. I don't buy any of that for a second. And this whole Zelensky meeting with everybody, again, that's photo op, that's show, that's fluff. I believe that that's part of a scissor strategy. They're doing that on purpose. They're doing that knowing that we don't like those people. I'm not talking about the Ukrainians. I'm talking about the politicians. They're doing it to piss us off. So I understand why that's being done. I I genuinely don't believe that any of the aid that we're actually giving them, apart from humanitarian aid, I don't believe a lot of it's actually making it there. A lot of our stuff's being found in parts of Central and South America, and it's ended up in the hands of the drug cartels. So I don't for a second believe that a lot of our hardware is actually getting there. I know some of it's getting there, but a goodly percentage of it is not. And we're not actually giving, to be fair, I'm just being impartial here. I'm not taking sides. Right. That's very important. To be fair, we're not actually giving the Ukrainians what they need in order to actually win. We're talking about giving them fighter jets for what? Russia has always had anti-air superiority over us because we've always had air superiority. So giving them fighter jets, what the hell good is that going to do? We're going to give them tanks for what? They don't work in that country. Historically, they don't work in that country. So why would we give them those? We gave them 12 HIMARS and it put the Russians on their heels and they've been there ever since. With 12 HIMARS, we couldn't believe what in the hell was going on. What they actually need is just ammunition. That's what they need. And we're not providing that. So that is another concept in and of itself. But let's let's go back. Okay, so let's go back historically here because this is extremely important. Bruce, have you ever heard of something called the Holodomor? Have you ever heard of that? 
I have, yeah. Yeah, that is where the Soviets, Stalin, that is where they purposely starved 10 million Ukrainians. That's the historical number. I bet the number's probably higher than that. They starved them on purpose to make a political statement. If you go by the mainline historical numbers, those numbers would be higher than the Holocaust, would they not? If we're going by the main line numbers in our history books. Why don't we talk about that? Why has nobody on either side of this conflict, why has nobody mentioned that? Now, if I'm a Ukrainian, just the average Ukrainian, and I had family that was lost in that, and the Russians invaded my country, I would fight to the last man. That's just me. That's just my character. That's me. If another country did that to the United States, you know, I'm an American after all. If another country did that to the, to the United States and I had family that were caught up in that and that same country then entered our country again with the purposes of conquering it, you damn right I'd fight to the last man. We never mentioned this. This is never brought up. Nobody brings this up at all. So I can understand, again, putting the, the politics and everything aside, put all that stuff aside, right? I'm trying to make the distinction. They've got everybody caught up in so many different false narratives that nobody can think. Putting all that aside, I can understand the average Ukrainian fighting for his country. I can understand that. I can sympathize with that. But the politics aside, that pisses me off just as much as everybody else. You know, I, I don't believe for a second that these people in, in, in our politics, you know, in our political circles, I don't believe they're actually doing what needs to be done because I don't trust any of them. These people like the Bidens, which we can transition here if you like, or we can continue on and transition later. The Bidens have built their political careers on helping Moscow. They have taken money from Moscow. Hunter Biden, I believe, took money from the mayor of Moscow's wife, I believe. Scholz in Germany, the head of the, the Social Democrats, that party has been helping Moscow their entire political careers as well. And we're somehow now supposed to expect that these countries are, you know, our countries are, are against What's going on in, in the Kremlin? I don't think so. I don't believe so. Historically, historically speaking, that has not been the case. Now, apart from that, North Korea has welcomed an honored guest. It, well, not well, it wasn't really an honored guest. It was an honored delegation over the weekend because of the armistice. They welcomed the defense minister and his entire entourage from Moscow, Sergei Shoigu. He got the state-honored welcome. Bruce, you saw him. He, he got the red carpet, literally the red carpet, rolled out for him in Pyongyang at the airport, got the mm -hmm. band, had the whole whatever there, whatever they got, you know, with their goose-stepping guys, you know, they got, they were standing all out there welcoming him. He was given the salutes. They were given the salutes. I highly doubt he was there to negotiate for the release of one of our soldiers that crossed the 38th parallel last week. No, it, honestly, it, it was more likely if he was there at all because of that soldier, that soldier is going to get interrogated, not released. Uh, they may release him after they realize there's nothing there to get from them. Uh, and they've, uh, you know, they're done with him. But more than likely, they'll use that soldier. If that's the reason that, that he's there, they'll use that soldier as a bargaining chip to try to get someone else they want out of prison. So if anybody needs any convincing at this point as to where Russia's intentions lie, I don't think we need to say any more. They're in North Korea taking part in the state ceremonies today. They were in Iran, what was it, two weeks ago, docking one of their warships there. They had the Cuban dictator hosted in Moscow a month ago, was it? They did a big photo op with that. Mm -hmm. They have the military alliance with China. Hmm. I wonder... You think they're trying to resurrect the good old days? One might Definitely think so. Seems that way. Yeah, one might think so. Especially with uh, the statement that they had this weekend about the gift 
that they gave the yes. Poles. Poland uh, doesn't then, belong to Polish. Yeah, the Polish. Mm, yeah. It was yeah. a gift, you see. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it, it definitely does sound like they're trying to get the band back together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it certainly does. Okay, so anyway, uh, anything else you got on the uh, uh, on the Russia thing there? I mean, there's plenty to talk about on that. Uh, we can continue on. But I just finished um, just finished this book, uh, Finished Soviet Strategy for Nuclear War by Joseph D. Douglas Jr. It's a great book if you can pick it up. I was fortunate enough to find this copy. Obviously, it's a used copy. It's out of print. Uh, I found this copy on eBay. I think what I pay for ten dollars, something like that. Yeah, plus shipping. It was, yeah, yeah, it was really, of really inexpensive. Books, yeah, of the books, it's the cheapest. Yeah, or one of one of the cheapest. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was surprised uh, being in as good condition as it is. Uh, but if you can get your hands on this, it is available digitally. You can check it out at archive.org, the online library. It doesn't cost any money for you to do that if you want to read it. But it gives valuable insight as to what their strategy is in terms of nuclear exchanges in days past and where we are now. So uh, I did finish that over the weekend. It was a, it was a great read. Um, and we can, we can discuss some of these tactics down the road. You know, that's, that's the way it is. I'm, I'm working, um, I'm working now on uh, conventional war and escalation from the Russian point of view. So that's the next one in the series. And then of course, on the uh, violation of arms control treaties, why the Russians violate arms control treaties. And that was subsequently that book, you said, you know what, I don't need a book to tell me why they violate arms control treaties. They violate them because they can, and they do. It's the same logic that uh, Islamic states have. By Islamic states, I'm meaning more of the jihadist-minded, you know, the, the terrorist-minded. So, so Iran, uh, yeah. They make treaties. Uh, well, other countries are guilty of this as well, like Egypt and uh, the Saudis. And, and it, But they'll make treaties uh, with the country, and you know, have a uh, ceasefire or just a basic treaty uh, to stop aggressions. And within a few years, they'll re-engage aggressions and break the treaty because they use that treaty to rebuild. And they know that their opponents, uh, usually Western, Western countries or those that are um, aligned with Western countries, and they typically, typically they keep their word. Uh, so when you make a treaty, Typically, Western countries don't violate the treaty, whereas um, we, we, we're talking technically old USSR, but I kind of I kind of throw in like uh, Nazi Germany, the the Middle East, uh, you know, the, the dictators there, Russia, China, North Korea, they're all kind of in the same pot. They're, they're slightly different ideologies and what have you, but they're all really similar when it comes down to their governance and their their um political side of things they may focus slightly differently but they're all they're all basically the same but yeah apart from uh uh the disgust uh i don't really have anything else to add on russia you know in terms of violating arms control treaties and we actually we had one this is before the uh, the new start treaty with obama uh which you know we have that audio of him saying look you know just tell vladimir i'll give him what he wants but i need to get through this election first i understand I'll tell Vladimir, I stand with you. Really? And all of a sudden, they're all against Russia. Yeah, it's funny. But back during the Clinton era, I told you this in prep, back back during the Clinton era, we, and I didn't know this until yesterday, we built the Russians 
a nuclear disarmament facility, right? So we had a deal with them, right? The whole uranium one thing, Robert Mueller, you know, the bag man and the, the North Koreans, they got nuclear technology and everything at that time under the Clintons, right? Again, they're supposed to be against Russia now for some reason. I'm not sure why. But during that time, and it was also, it ties back into the Ukraine thing where I said they were under that same deal, the Ukrainians were to give up their nuclear weapons and we were to protect them if there were ever a conflict. The Russians then said, look, we want to abide by this. We really do, yeah, because they say they do. We want to abide by this nuclear disarmament, this this unilateral disarmament treaty. But you see, we don't have a facility in order to dismantle our nuclear weapons. We built them, but we don't have the means to take them apart safely. So could you help us, America? We would really appreciate it. And so America being America, and as stupid as we are, what did we say? Well, sure, of course we'll help you. Why wouldn't we? In fact, we'll even supply you some of the people to help you do it. That's exactly what we did. We went over to Russia and we built them a facility to dismantle nuclear weapons. Well, this might come as a shocker to anybody who doesn't know this, but wouldn't you know that if you have a facility that can dismantle nuclear weapons, well, by God, all you have to do is the process in reverse. And guess what? You can build nuclear weapons. Well... You see, what happened was the Russians, they seized that facility upon completion and they kicked all of our people out. But you see, because they they wanted to make sure it was done right. So they needed their people in there and they, they didn't need any of us around anymore. Some time went by. Of course, we didn't say anything about that because that would have been a, a big embarrassment to the Washington establishment. We didn't want to talk about that. So that never made any papers. And then some time went by. Lo and behold, George Bush Jr. comes along. And, you know, he and Vlad, boy, they were they were buddy buddy. You know, they were they were good friends because that, you see Vladimir. He was a good Christian man, uh, according to George Bush there. We sent some people over there in good faith, of course, you know, on a, on an official state visit. And we said, you know, while we're here, um, yeah, we built you that uh, that nuclear disarmament facility back in the back in the 90s. We'd like to have a look at that. And they said, oh, no, sorry, we, we can't allow that. That's that's classified. So we have no way of actually knowing if they abided by any of those agreements. And on top of that, we have no way of knowing how many more nuclear weapons they actually have because of it. Does anybody else see a problem with this? Oh, and don't think that we're not doing the same type of nonsense with China, because we most certainly are. I would be more okay with this um, uh, outcome if uh, we were continuing to actively uh increase uh, our our uh stockpile and um improving the technology to make it more deadly now i know we don't want to ever have to use nukes however it is a mutually assured destruction uh deterrent if they know that one of our nukes can annihilate them then they're less likely to pull any kind of shenanigans it'll all just be bluster yeah, but aside from using uh, hydrogen bombs now and the rumored uh, neutron bombs, we haven't really updated them all that much. They're, they're a bit outdated, uh, at least as far as we know as the public. Yeah, we haven't built a nuclear weapon in 30 years. That's another thing that, that I argue when people say, well, uh, we're being aggressive. How are we being aggressive? We haven't built a nuclear weapon in 30 years. And they're pumping them out over there in Russia and China like sausages. And we're being aggressive? Sorry, I don't buy it. I don't buy it at all. Hunter Biden. You want to talk about Hunter Biden? Uh, Hunter Biden. Yeah, yeah he uh, this is breaking. You see, he showed up at the courthouse today, right? He already had the, the plea deal was already made. He was going to go in. He was going to plead guilty. And he did. He did. He pled guilty. And the judge said, 
Oh, I, you know what? I don't like it because there are some there's some funny circumstances here. And so the plea deal was rejected. And Hunter Biden has just entered a plea of not guilty. And I'm assuming he's still getting the sweetheart deal uh, to basically like 30 days in prison, 60 days in prison or something like that. It's a very he's going to get fined uh, in, a, in a community service sentence or whatever. And it'll be it, it'll be house yeah. arrest or something. Oh, and that's that's what, what it was. Be. It's probation. It was like five years probation, I think, is what what the plea deal was. And uh, uh, the uh, fines, as you mentioned, yeah, uh, if I remember correctly. Yeah. If you or I did the things that he's accused of and has evidence of showing that he's done, we would be in prison for the rest of our lives. Interestingly enough, there's been uh, whistleblowers uh, now that have come out and said, hey, um, the FBI and the IRS and, um, well, the DOJ as well, in general, has been sweeping this under the rug and... Uh, this is more or less a cover up and they're not allowing the um, good officers uh, to investigate deeply to figure out what is true and what is uh, false. So the the charges against him are not complete. Well, let's hear what CNN had to say about the plea deal. Breaking news out of Wilmington, Delaware, from the Hunter Biden plea deal hearing. Our Kara Scannell just ran out from inside the courtroom. Kara, bring us up to speed. Yeah, John. So as we, as I went back into the courtroom, the hearing had just begun again. The judge was back on the bench, and she was pressing the prosecution on this investigation and the four corners of this plea agreement. One of the prosecutors said that the investigation was very much ongoing, and that she asked him, "Well, what is not covered in this plea agreement? If you are leaving the possibility for there being other future charges." So then the judge said, "Would this include a possible FARA charge that's not registering as a foreign agent?" The prosecutor said, "No, the deal would not include that." It was at that point that she had said to the prosecution, um, you know, if you were not good, if you can charge that, then what does this mean? And the prosecutors, she asked Hunter Biden's attorneys about that, and he said, well, then there's no deal. And the prosecutor said, then there is no deal. So Biden's team said that the plea agreement, as far as they understood it, was now null and void. They were moving ahead to talk about what the next steps would be in this case. So as of right now, the deal appears to be dead and off the table, and it remains to be seen how they're going to move forward. But he has been charged with those two misdemeanor tax evasion charges. Uh, but one thing we learned is that this investigation is very much still ongoing. Misdemeanor tax evasion is what we're going for here. Was this another Al Capone uh, situation to get him on tax evasion? Because uh, <laughs> you can't get him on anything else. It's just it's ridiculous. The difference yeah, with but- Capone was is they gave him the maximum sentence. So they gave him every day of what was possible. That's not going to happen here. No. Well, and the other thing is, is they legitimately couldn't prove Al Capone's involvement legitimately. Well, that's and because Hunter Biden's case. Yeah, but the the thing with Capone was you had so many people that were corrupt back then and on the take in the legal system, in the judicial system, that you couldn't get a straight judge to try the case along with a straight jury. So they had to take what they could get and so, go. So what you're saying is, is it hasn't changed much? Not much, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and the other thing is, is uh, typical of the mob, they would have witnesses disappear or just not show up. Uh, yeah. And in this case, uh, with Hunter Biden, there is actually witnesses that are supposed to come forward that have not. Um, one of them was the partner uh, during the time that he was uh, at Burisma, which, by the way, the, the oligarch that owns Burisma was saying that Hunter Biden is an idiot, a buffoon. Uh, but anyway, that was uh, an interesting 
perspective that he had. Why did you hire him then and put him on the board if he's a buffoon? Obviously, there's something because else going on there. Because he's a buffoon. Um, he's a fall guy. That's why he's there. Yeah. Uh, and well, and not only that, but it's uh, they're buying access to the to the Bidens, uh, you know, to the vice presidency and in, in that at that time. Uh, but the partner, I believe he was also working when you had Rosemont Seneca, I believe, which was the China dealings. Anyway, this is the third time he has not shown up in front of Congress uh, with evidence and whatnot. Um, yeah, interesting note there. Not sure why he's not showing up. Apparently, he's done multiple interviews that I've seen um, and talked about um, his involvement and uh, the the information that he has uh i would i would like to know why he isn't coming forward at this point is it uh is there some kind of uh threatening that's going on is somebody trying to is he doing dealings with them to try to get paid off to silence him uh you know what what's going on that that trying to get more money out of him that that would be a risky game in my opinion uh because they could just uh you know like the uh the, the chef uh, for the Obamas just wind up dead on the shore there to their yeah property. Uh, it's an interesting thing. Do you got anything else on the Hunter Biden thing? We can go to the uh, the chef there. He's scum. He should be in prison for the rest of his life. And the Biden family as a whole uh, should be in prison. Uh, the, the kinds of stuff that we've seen on the laptop that have been released, it is absolutely atrocious. That is, that is and horrible. some of the things... We've, we've looked yeah. at it. Obviously, the, the legal portion of it you got to you got to retain the services of a lawyer if you want to see all of it we've seen the um it's not i can't even say we've seen the appropriate one <laughs> we've seen it okay we, we've seen what's on the laptop and it's it's atrocious it's like it's it's bad it's really really bad how far did we get there there were like 700 files we got i think to the first i think 50 to 75 mm-hmm. and as an investigator i'm looking at it and i'm saying i wish i would have had a quarter of this stuff on cases that I took to court and I got convictions on. And these people walk around with absolute yeah. impunity. Yeah. This is it, this is a uh, slam dunk over and over and over and over again. These are career cases for entire legions of attorneys, not just one. This would be this is in my opinion, you would if you were the attorney that took down the Biden family, this is kind of like a uh, Rudy Giuliani uh, scenario almost. Uh, not quite as big, you know, going after the targets that he went after, but it would be big. This would go down in the history books and you would be well known from then on. Uh, obviously, the left would hate you and the right would uh, fawn over you. Uh, but all that to say, the stuff that we've seen, I, we've we've also heard accounts of people. Now, this obviously doesn't really hold up as well because this is technically hearsay. Uh, but the people that can afford lawyers have gone through it. Uh, the, the stuff that they've talked about that they've seen in there is much, much worse. And the stuff we've read in the, the, the diary of um, Ashley Biden, also quite atrocious. I, I would I, I would enjoy an actual investigation, but who's going to try them? That, that, that's my question, because uh, the entire DOJ, as it, at least the leadership anyway, is corrupt. So you're going to find a judge that's going to try them fairly and, and without a bias or, you know, justice is blind scenario. I, I don't know that you can in today's how everything's politicized nowadays. I don't think you would have to be living under a rock as a judge at this point. Yeah, you could separate 
I know you should be able to, as a professional, separate your your own biases, but how many people nowadays do you really know that can do that? It's a good point. That's a really good point. The problem is, is that by and large, we have no integrity in our justice system. I'm a man of conviction. I believe in the letter of the law. I believe that all people should be held equally accountable to the law when they break it. Rather, that is the person driving a bus whether that is a person working as a high school janitor, whether that is a person as the president of the United States of America. Everyone is held equally accountable to the maximum extent of the law. Period. End of story. That is non-negotiable for me. This whole concept of we have a, a just us system, not a justice system, is appalling. That is un-American to the nth degree. The fact that we have a Department of Justice that spends more time investigating conservative Catholics in America and criminalizing, literally criminalizing and investigating mothers that attend school board meetings that don't want the LGBTQ plus two, I four, six, seven, whatever numbers, letters you want to put into it, that insanity, when they don't want that taught to their children, when they don't want critical race theory, which is hardcore Marxism in a different form, when mothers don't want that taught to their children in schools, which calls into question the effectiveness of our education system, when we have a Department of Justice that spends more time doing that than actually investigating the subverters, the revolutionaries that seek to end our way of life, then what good are they? And that's a terrible thing for me to say. As somebody who's worked with the FBI before, that's awful because I can tell you right now, Right now, as sure as I'm sitting here, the men and women that I worked with, the field agents that I worked with, none of them would have ever put up with that. I don't know if they're still there or not, but these were men and women of integrity. And I can tell you for an absolute fact that if I had caught wind of any of them behaving like these feds do now, I wouldn't have worked with them. I would not have done business with them. I would have gone back to my people and said, get me someone else because I'm not working with that. The fact that I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm criticizing these institutions, you know, the worst part is, is that the, the subverters, when I say the subverters, I'm talking about the infiltrators of the Marxist countries, namely China and Russia. These countries, they want us to undermine and turn against our own system. This is a serious problem because I don't want to turn against my own system. I like my system. I like our free systems of, dare I say it, democracy here in the West. I like these things. I like the fact that we can vote and we can actually remove people, at least we're supposed to. I don't like doing the bidding of these other countries for them. And so I will continue to maintain the argument because I believe that that's how this is. The problem is not our systems. They want us to believe that the problem is, is our systems and we want to overthrow those and we want to demand a new system and they want to be able to offer us that new system so conveniently. I don't want their systems. I don't want their way of life. I want the way of life we have here in the West. We don't need new systems of government. We don't need new constitutions. We don't need new and more extensive laws and complex systems, more bureaucracies. We don't need these things. All we need to do, if we want to right the sinking ship, all we need to do is do what we did before. It worked before. And don't give me this crap about inclusivity and diversity. If I were the president of the United States, I would have all of those diversity, equity and inclusion offices. I would have them shut down tomorrow morning and I would have all of those people that were involved with it fired and criminally prosecuted for subversion. But hey, I'm just dreaming, right? I would uh, like to remind the listener that uh, if the law isn't applied equally, you live in a tyranny. 
Interesting thing I heard over the weekend, uh, and I'm going to plug this uh, this uh, this I, I don't know if this organization I guess it's the um, the Committee for Present Danger China. They have a dot um, org. You can go and take a listen to them. They usually have a great panel. I was listening to one uh, with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West and a couple others over the weekend. One of the people that that were speaking on the panel, they were talking about how. We actually have these diversity, equity, and inclusion. We have DEI officers in our military now, and I didn't know that. These organizations have been put into um, uh, into our military, you know, and, and they've, uh, of course, you, you've been seeing it subtly here and there. But we've got good people that are still in the military that are saying, what in the hell's going on here? You know, people in our officer ranks are going, what is this? Do you remember, Bruce, we were talking about uh, the differences between the uh, communist military system that, you know, the Marxist uh, Leninist systems, you know, Russia and China, and the, these these countries, they actually have political officers. We never had a counterpart to that in any of our systems here in the West. Now it seems we do, don't we? With DEI officers. It's a political officer. That Exactly that. Yeah. And honestly, some of the positions for even generals, uh, look at Milley. I would say he's more of a political appointment than he is hey, an you're actual your time with these general. guys. Yeah, you're wasting your time with these guys, these, these him and Austin and the, these guys. I was listening over the weekend to somebody else, and this is somebody that they've got quite a name for themselves. I'll just leave it at that. One of the things that they wanted to do was they wanted to actually, after they finished college, they wanted to intern at the Pentagon. They wanted to actually do some work against the threat of communist China uh, in the Far East. They, they wanted to do work in that. And so obviously where you want to go, you want to go to the national security circles, right? That's where you want to go. And so this person goes, I'm not going to mention who it is. Anybody who's inquisitive enough can go figure it out. This person went to the Pentagon, got the interview, got the call and everything and showed up there. And while they're doing the interview, the person that was giving the interview asked the interviewee, why do you want this job? Why do you want to come and work in, in the Pentagon? Why do you want to work in uh, for the for the Department of Defense? Why do you want to work in national security circles? And they said, well, I believe that communist China poses a real threat to us and we need to we need to face them head on. You know, we have a real we have a real problem here in this country of of the subversion that they're the subversion tactics that they're engaged in. And we've got to stop it. That person that was giving the interview looked across the table at them and their jaw was just hanging open. And they said, look, I agree with you that this is an issue, but we can't talk about that. We can't discuss that. Look, if you want to work here, then you need to be focused on women's rights and, and inclusion and equity and, and all this stuff and gender stuff. That's what we're all about here. This was in 2019. It's now 2023. So you see where our national security priorities lie. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the, the other expansion they had for national security was uh, just the next year after that interview. And it was whether or not you were you attended um, a gathering without a mask or without socially distancing. Uh, I, I think that's one of the things that they expanded to. And then later they expanded to, uh, did you attend January 6th or were you even in the vicinity? Uh, or are you, are you even a lookalike? Are you someone that looks like you were there, but weren't actually there? Uh, yeah, they were, they were going after all those kind of people as well. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. That was one hell of a sidetrack. Uh, but we wanted to talk about the chef, didn't we? Yes, we yes. did. Yeah, here's the chef. This is what happened over the weekend. So circulating that the initial 911 call about the missing man came from the home of former President Obama. Alexis McAdams has got the breaking details from our New York City newsroom. And Alexis, what do we know? 
John, good afternoon. Well, we're still trying to confirm right now if that 911 call did come, in fact, from former President Barack Obama's home out there on Martha's Vineyard. But let's get into what we know so far. Take a look at this video. This is the area that we're talking about here out in Martha's Vineyard. We can tell you a 43-year-old paddleboarder who was spotted struggling before he went underwater never came back up. And not far from President Barack Obama's estate out of Martha's Vineyard is where this investigation is going down. So Massachusetts State Police tell us that just before 8 o'clock on Sunday night, authorities responded to a 911 call about an adult male paddleboarder who had gone into the water without a life vest, submerged, and didn't come back to the surface. Crews were dispatched out there near former President Barack Obama's estate. So we're trying to figure out exactly who made that 911 call and who this man is. But at this time, authorities, John, are saying they are withholding his identity as they're trying to also get in contact with family members, which is usually how the process goes here. Fox News has also reached out to a spokesperson for the Obama family to figure out whether or not that 911 call did come from Martha's Vineyard and their home, rather, but they have not responded yet. But still just a lot of unanswered questions at this time, so we're just trying to figure it all out. But it's in its initial early stages, but they did recover that paddleboarder's body earlier this morning around 10 o'clock. They had Coast Guard out there and lots of authorities. I do apologize for the uh, the creepy music that was playing. I uh, didn't add that. I don't know who added that. Whoever sent that to me didn't mention that that was part of that. But that individual that was that paddleboarder just so happened to be Obama's personal chef. <laughs> you know, over the weekend, I did a little bit more looking into this individual, and he was quite the expert swimmer, I should say. He... Um, he, in his spare time, I, and I saw some of the videos, and indeed, that's him. He was swimming laps at the White House when he wasn't working. So it's not like he wasn't a strong swimmer. Um, and he drowns in eight feet of water on the Obama's property, and he was his personal show. Something, something just seems off here. I'm, I can't quite put my finger on it, but something doesn't seem right. Yeah, uh, a couple things. Um, the... Uh, more benign uh, explanation here is paddleboarder was uh, injected with an experimental drug and he happened to have some ill effects. He was under physical strain being out there paddleboarding. It does, they, they, the report does say he was seen struggling when he went underwater. So it's possible that he could have had a, I mean, this has been fairly common in the news lately. Um, famous people having some kind of heart event or something. So that that's a very possible scenario. But then when you get into uh, high positions like that, um, to where you're the chef of a uh, previous president, uh, the, there also looms the possibility that you might know more than you should. And you're a threat to uh, the, the image, the legacy of a politician, and you might have an accident. That's also a possibility. That's the more uh, malicious, though both, I think, are equally malicious. One is just more direct than the other. So, yeah, it, it's definitely that's definitely um, very um, odd. Doesn't seem right. No. I, I, I looked up this guy. No, it doesn't seem uh, right. As we were watching the video, and he's physically fit at a, at a younger age. I mean, the dude looks like he takes care of himself. It's not like he was out there on drugs or something or, uh, you know, had some other malady. He looked like he was too young to, to and in too good of shape uh, to just have a heart attack out there or something like that. Naturally occurring, of course. Of course, of course. It's, it's just something about these chefs. 
I, I don't know what it is. You see, there was another chef that was at the White House during the Clinton time there. Former White House chef drowned while hiking in New Mexico. That was in 1994. Now, Bruce, I know you don't live in New Mexico. I know you live in you live in Oklahoma. And New Mexico is that's kind of just a stone throw away from you. It's a couple of states over. And so I'm sure that you're pretty familiar with the landscape and the climate in New Mexico. And I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. I'm not from that part of the country, but I'm pretty sure that it's going to be difficult to drown while you're hiking in New Mexico, of all places. Yeah, that one, that one seems a little... Uh, now, it, it's possible when you're hiking, if he was up in the mountains or something like that, you, okay. you might have run True. across a stream yep. and he could have... Mm-hmm. Uh, rock slipped, you know, broken some bones or something, something. hit his head, knocked him out. He fell into the stream, drowned. Sure. It's, it's very possible. However, the likelihood of that in New Mexico, uh, where it is dry, the climate is much drier than here. In fact, the place I used to live in, uh, Colorado, it's even drier than that. And that area, it was pretty dry when you got up into the plateau, uh, you know, Blue Mesa, you know, kind of that area. It was pretty dry in the summer months. It was even drier than that uh, in New Mexico, generally speaking. So, man, that one seems a little, that seems a little arid environment. Nah, drowning, uh, at least not in water. Maybe he drowned in something else. Uh, that, that certainly seems like what happened here. It is entirely possible, yeah. Either way, the circumstances surrounding the Martha's Vineyard one, that's not right. Any investigator that's worth their weight in salt is going to look at that and say, um, my first knock on the door is going to be at that Obama residence is going to be yeah. my first place. Yeah, it, it's possible. It's possible he was under distress. You know, there was like I it's said, possible. he could have had a health yeah. problem and he sure. uh, managed to swim that direction, knowing that that, you know, knowing the location and area because he's a personal chef. So I'm sure um, that he either set out with his paddleboard from that location, um, which is very possible, um, or he was just in the area and knew that that was, you know, a, a location that um, he might get help uh, being known. But it, it also says that he's from that area and they could have been offing him. That That's very possible. However, uh, given the investigation and what we know of uh, investigations involving politicians, it will be deemed a freak accident. And um, that's all we'll get as a public, if anything. Speaking of medical episodes, this just happened on Capitol Hill. A partisan cooperation and a string of For the sake of the listener, he's now stopped and is just staring off into space. Yeah, he's he's zoned out quite a bit there. They'll they'll pull him off the stage here in just a second. Yeah. Anything else you want to say? I'm sure it's cool back to you. Do you want to say anything else to the press? Let's go back to you. Go ahead, John. I don't think Mr. Cocaine Mitch there had a line before he came out. No pun intended, of course. Yeah, I don't think he had a line. It's very possible that he forgot his lines. He forgot what to say. That's very possible. He could have had a micro stroke or something there as well. He didn't show any signs of like drooping or any of those kind of things. So I I honestly don't know what that was, uh, to be fair, other than uh, possibly some kind of like dementia or something like that. 
Um, we also don't know what kind of medications they're on, so it could be some kind of reaction with that. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm at a loss for that one, uh, personally. I'm not a medical uh, professional by any means, so I wouldn't know what to say that was. I think all things considered, isn't it time for him to just pack it in? Really? He's been in there God knows how long. It's time for him to go. Yeah, he's 81. It's done. Like you, you should you should have retired when you were like in your early seventies, late sixties, and just let someone younger uh, fill your spot because they're more in tune with what's going on uh, in the everyday life of Americans. Like literally, we should have people in there. I know, I know the the younger generations are not great as far as intellectually, but they're no worse off than what who who we have in there now. But they would be more yeah. in tune with what's going on with technology, with, you know, schooling, education, you know, that kind of stuff. They'd be more in tune with that and potentially better at the job, um, theoretically. But yeah. not only that, the guy's making 25 mil a year from the Chinese Communist Party. Why is he not registered as a foreign agent and kicked out of the Senate? The hell with the impeachment process. Just remove him. Uh, we're coming up on time here, and I thought we'd spend the last few minutes. I, I've been doing this to everybody else. Bruce, I have a surprise for you, and I purposely haven't told you about it because it's a surprise. Uh, will I actually be surprised, though? Is it is it something that I will not see I coming? doubt it. I, well, I doubt mm -hmm. it. Well, it, maybe you might not see it coming because it's just it's kind of ridiculous at this point just to, to see it. You've talked about it before. We don't talk sports here. We're not the sportsy kinds of people. I mean, I, I don't follow what goes on in, in sports anymore. I used to. I used to be a big baseball guy, but I don't do it anymore. But I thought that I would put this out for you because you've talked about this individual before. Colin Kaepernick is set to make a comeback, possibly being signed after this new workout video, which was a flop, by the way, I might add. But here it is anyway. Man, he looks great. Looks good. Arm looks strong. He got a, he got a rocket of arm. Look at that, man. He, he got he got about a good six years left. Arm still intact. Strong arm. Deep balls very nice. And he's still capped. Still got it to him. Yeah, I've got a real rocket for him on, man. So it was different. Real good ball placement. Hey, it's easy when you got a quarterback that's been through it. He make it easy for it. Good work. That was out there throwing darts. See it looks smooth. Says it was a great day. You see, he's got maybe six good years left in him. You know, somebody's going to pick him up. Somebody. It's good when you have a quarterback, especially uh, that's on the field that's that's been there, that's been through it. Mm. You know, I'm I actually hope he does make uh, some team or something because um, I would thoroughly enjoy watching him get trounced yet again um i would love to see i would enjoy watching him get sacked at just so yes the best to him i you know I, I hope he makes a team i hope he's a starter that that would be that'd be fantastic I don't understand why they keep throwing this guy out there. I mean, it'd be stupid for him to, uh, from a business perspective, it'd be stupid for him to go back and play in the NFL because, 
you're making how much are they paying him? Like a billion at Nike? Are they paying him like he, a billion dollars or something? It's ridiculous. He, he, he's he's making yeah at least half a, half a billion. Uh, the the amount of money that he's made is ridiculous. Maybe maybe he just needs to be out there again to uh, you know rekindle another uh, you know generation yeah, yeah. of that or another you uh-huh. know whatever. I don't know. Go out there and sit down some some more. (laughs) You were actually, you were going through some of his statistics before when he was actually playing. I mean, look, I've talked to and I've worked with former NFL players before. You have to work extremely hard to get there. And once you get there, you have to continuously prove yourself over and over and over again to get some of those spots. And he didn't get those. I will give him credit for getting there because that in and of itself is a feat. That is a very difficult thing to do. So I'll give him credit for getting there. But you didn't make it. Your claim to fame was was sitting on your butt when the national anthem was being played and trashing all over the country that's paying you hundreds of millions of dollars to do what you do. Yeah, which that that, that's also missed when I talked about the uh, statistics, uh, we pointed out that. He was garbage as a quarterback before he took. I was a trying to, and in I fact, was trying to avoid that. I was true. Well, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be blunt. And he was already benched during that time when he was taking a knee. So it was his benching had nothing to do with that. So I, I imagine what'll end up happening is he's not a good enough player, at least that we've seen so far, that he's. Um, uh, immune, if you if you will. There are certain players in the NFL that are so good, uh, they're top of their field, uh, what whatever uh, position they're playing. They more or less uh, will well beat their girlfriend in an elevator and still retain their position. You know, obviously they have a, a short time that they're not allowed to, to to play any games and they don't get any money, but uh, they still have their position. And then there's other players that are so let's just say toxic, so. Um, kind of uh, uh, radioactive. You don't even want to touch them because they're not even, they're not useful to the team. That's why he's not being picked up. He's just not good enough with all the baggage that comes with him. So if he tries to get on another team and fails, he's going to pull out the race card again and say the NFL's racist and blah, blah, blah. When it couldn't be further from the truth, when you look at the NFL, the NBA, all the sports. I think hockey is the the one caveat to it, and maybe tennis, uh, to where the majority of the teams are of a different skin tone. They have more melanin in their skin than uh, what they claim. Uh, they they say that it's racist. It's you know a white man sport or whatever they say. And yet the majority of the teams are made up of, like I said, other colors than white. But they're racist. Yeah. The races they, they need they need DEI officers is what they need. They need diversity, equity, and inclusion officers because if you don't have them, it's just not going to function as it's intended to function. So that's why we need them. All right, it's been an absolute pleasure, my friend. We'll see you next week. Indeed. So we will go ahead and call this one done. I'd like to thank you for being here today. Thank you to all of the listeners. God bless everyone. Have a great evening.